Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining. My co-host this evening is Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy, how are you? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. How is everybody? By the way, it's snowing in Charlotte right now. Oh, really? Yes. We got rain all day up here in Philadelphia, so I'd rather have snow, I guess. Um, Well, I wouldn't, because people down here don't know how to drive in the snow. And then... (laughs) All of the eggs and milk and bread leave the shelves within an hour. Yeah, I bet. People go in panic, right? Yeah, they think that everything's going to die, you know, everything's going to shut down and nothing's going to work anymore. Yeah. Yeah, It's the end of the world. Right. So first I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, This is your first time uh, joining us. We're here every Sunday at 9 p.m., and what we do is we offer a place for people living with HIV to share their story and to um, provide other people with hope. And, you know, we've been doing this for a little bit over two years, and, you know, it's been really, really well. We have, you know, had a lot of great stories on, so be sure to check us back every every week, and you can find more information on the show um, at posim.com. Um, Jeremy, how was your week? My week was actually okay. I'm shutting the window. Sorry. Um, week was pretty good. Uh, just busy with work and stuff, and and I know I owe a blog. It's been a while since. And I've the blogged. holidays, you know, the holidays are coming up, so everybody's scrambling. You know, where things, wherever you go, no matter what time of day it is, the roads are packed. Oh, it's craziness. <laughs> you know, it's oh. like they never had the holidays before. It's really crazy up here. I know because we live near a mall. Whenever we're out there, it's unbelievably crazy busy with with people. I'm, I know, I know exactly how that is. <laughs> so tonight we're going to have on a great human being, um, somebody I actually met at the AIDS Advocacy Association Summit two years ago. Um, it was the first time I was introduced to Larry, and then I, I was able to see him. I think I spoke with him a little bit at this year's, but then we actually uh, had a little bit of a meeting here in Philly when he was here in town to talk about uh, the campaign to end AIDS, and he's going to come on and talk about that. But this man, if you don't know anything about this man, he's very, very inspiring. I mean, the work that he does with Housing Works and, and for people with AIDS and, and homelessness, it's it's very important. And, and for us, we usually don't have a lot of straight men on who come on to share their story. So I think that is just another, you know, way that we can look at it for tonight because we haven't really had, I think maybe Bob Bowers was the only other gentlemen that we had on that was, you know, straight. So it's nice to get a different look, you know, at HIV for his eyes because he has been living with HIV since 1986. Um, And let me just tell you a little bit about him before we bring him on. At 18, while he was a freshman at Norfolk State University, Larry Bryan tested positive with HIV. He was the captain of his football team and was considered a top National Football League draft pick. He could have pursued a career in career in professional football, HIV or no HIV, but instead he took his life in another direction, helping to improve the lives of others. And through his photography, through his post, through his work, through his speaking, he is inspiring many. So please help me welcome Larry Bryant. Larry, welcome to the show this evening. Okay, I'm not bringing... There he is. Hello, Larry. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, welcome to the show. Thanks for for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, anytime. I'm definitely blown away by the stuff that you do. Uh first meeting you um at the you know, through Brandon Maxada through the ADAPT Advocacy Association and, and the work that you do with Christine Campbell, I I'm blown away. Um this last summit that we had this past July, I was totally I guess I wanna say awakened to housing and how important it is for people with HIV. Um, so I want to thank you for being that voice for people who, who don't have a voice. 
You know, a lot of people seem to forget homeless people because they don't see them every day or it's not somebody they know. And I think for people like you, I applaud you for, for the work that you do. Well, well, thank you, Robert. And, and, and I like to say that, you know, it's not that I, I see myself, and, and I'm, I'm sure Christine would say the same, is we don't see ourselves as people who speak in, in place of others, but what we hope to do uh, is to support the voices and the efforts of those. I mean, I've been positive since, since 86. C2A has been around. Campaign to End Days has been around since uh, 2005. But, you know, between that time, there are a lot of hardworking uh, individuals, both positive and negative, fighting to address the factors that contribute to the epidemic. What, what we hope to do with the Campaign to End Days and through a lot of the organizing work that we do, is to help support that work, particularly from those from in the grassroots, and and help to get those people who are historically kind of left a, left away from from that table, from that negotiating planning table, uh, to to have to be able to express their points and and, and to have their voices heard on those levels. So. Uh, I mean, my, my success is not measured by how many times I'm speaking or that I'm seen or featured anywhere, but how I can support others to do the same. I think that's that's commendable. Can we um can we can we start back at can you tell us how your situation in 1986, how you became aware that you were HIV positive? Can you share that with everyone? Sure. Um, I was uh, a freshman at Norfolk State University in Virginia, a uh, scholarship football player. I wasn't yet a captain. I, I didn't become captain for, uh, or one of the captains on defense for, for a year. Uh, uh, but one of the, I guess one of the um, duties, I guess, or one of the options of, of some of the scholarship athletes, and all the athletes really, was to, to be involved with community work, and whether it was volunteering at at youth centers or doing, you know, things along campus or, or just being visible in a very positive way in, in the Norfolk community, one of those things was, you know, to, to give blood, to donate blood at the blood bank. And, and you know, being honest, it, it, it helped that as a broke college athlete, uh, you know, you get a little change back, $10, $50 here or there when we donated blood. Um after, I guess, a few times of donating blood, this is around the time where they first, thankfully, first started testing uh, all blood donations, um, I came back uh, to the Red Cross, you know, the, the, the third or fourth time, or the second or third time, rather, and the, the doctor, the admitting nurse, told me to speak to the doctor, and I was told at the time that my my donation had tested positive for the antibodies to the to the to the virus, and um, so it wasn't that I was going to get tested. It was just kind of a almost an incidental, accidental thing uh, that I found out um, in a community which I grew up in in D.C. and and in um, of course went to college in Norfolk in a black community. You know, HIV wasn't a very publicly uh, seen thing. I mean, it was pretty much uh, uh, broadcast uh, by most news outlets, and and I think at at one point even uh, uh, broadcast by CDC as being a gay-related infectious disease. Uh, in fact, they described the the term GRID, G-R-I-D, gay-related infectious disease. So it was mostly seen as as a gay disease and was broadcast that way. Um, so there was a lot of people in the black community or communities of color who weren't really getting the message, even though uh, the disease, people were still being affected. It just wasn't, it was called other things. It was called cancer. People, poor people, people low, in low-income communities and people of color who who weren't, you know, uh, attending or going uh, to a lot of the uh, doctors that were kind of ahead of the game, you know, were, were diagnosed with all these crazy illnesses. And so it wasn't really seen in that sense. And being heterosexual, like you said, I mean, it was 
it just wasn't pounded in, in people's heads uh, about about who was truly at risk. And um, you know, it, it's and I know that how the history has come since then, and and how a lot of the activist groups particularly ACT UP and those groups both in New York and San Francisco and Houston and other places were really fighting to to address those, uh, uh, basically the, the, the fact that the, our city, state, and federal government was ignoring uh, the fact that thousands of people across the country were dying, thousands of white gay men were uh, dying pretty much in the streets. Um, at the same time, there were a lot of people of color who were being affected, but it just wasn't broadcast or it wasn't, uh, uh, the attention wasn't placed in the, in, in the same way and, and the resources certainly weren't coming in the same way to those communities. Um, so, you know, I, I like to think that I, as well as a lot of people that I know who are in my same situation, uh, both gay and straight, uh, people of color, uh, men and women, who have been HIV positive for, you know, as long as I have or longer, uh, are a part of that history, and and I, uh, I think that's one of the things we fight against too, and being able to identify the communities that are truly affected. People of color make up a large percentage of the numbers now, uh, more than half of new infections across the country, but that's not new. People of color have been uh, a significant percentage of the people affected, infected and affected you know, for since the beginning of the epidemic. No, it's, you know, that, that's true. And, and I, I it, we weren't always so open about it because I remember reading back uh, right after you were diagnosed, you kind of kept it a real secret for a while. Um, yeah. You know, you didn't really discuss it with anybody. And that's kind of something that's normal. A lot of people go through that. Um, was, was there a reason why you chose to keep it so quiet? Because now you're, like, so public about it. So it's kind of, you know, kind of funny to see how you, came full circle now and now you're so open about it? Uh, well, I mean, the, the same year I was diagnosed, there was uh, two brothers in Florida who had their house burnt down um, because one of the brothers was suspected. It was a rumor that he tested HIV positive. Uh, I mean, that was the kind of climate that existed. It was, it was, it was almost, I hate to exaggerate, and I'm probably not exaggerating it, but it was almost literally like the cross on, on people's uh, lawns, you know, especially people in the South and, and being in, in going to school in Southeastern Virginia, uh, you know, it what it just didn't feel. There was no place that I felt comfortable bringing it out. Uh, I mean, in the black community, not only the, the ignorance or the misunderstanding of who is affected by HIV and, and then and now, but the the the, the 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 incredible homophobia and 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 just the the horrible kind of uh, stigma discrimination that 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 was associated, not just well that existed, but of course was associated with HIV. Um, it just it, it was completely fearful for uh, I guess a then 18 year old to come out and tell anyone. Um, right, you know, and and being a heterosexual uh, football player, you know, nationally known, didn't seem to uh, make matters better. Um, so I didn't tell right. anyone. I was scared to death. And it wasn't until five years later, when Magic Johnson uh, disclosed his HIV status in 1991, that I actually it was the first time that I I guess I saw someone that I could in some way identify with. I mean, not right. that I didn't have other people, you know, in the gay community and transgender community that I connected with uh, at times, you know, in those five years, but I, I never saw myself. And it was, there was, I never saw the one outlet that made me feel comfortable about how to talk to, but about how to deal with living with HIV. And at the time of diagno being diagnosed, it wasn't really about living with HIV. It was about dying with HIV. It was about dying with dignity. Uh, there weren't a lot of long-term uh, survivors back then, so it was about you know, making your life uh, as comfortable as possible. 
uh, before you die. Jeremy, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I've been trying to get a hold of you in the fish chat room, so. I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. I'm being ignored. <laughs> Hi, Larry. How are you? Um, I'm doing well, Jeremy. How are you? I'm just peachy keen. I'm, so I'm, let's I'm get very talk- sorry. I was in North Carolina yesterday, and I got out just before the snow came. Yeah, no kidding. I'm looking out there going, dude, this is Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't snow here. I think the Miser brothers are up to something. I think somebody needs to go talk to Mother Nature. <laughs> Those of you who watch, you know, The Year Without a Santa Claus, you'll understand the reference. <laughs> um, and, and are over 35. That's right, and are over 35. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, look at that. I am on. I disconnected from the server for some reason. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, I'm back in now. I'm I'm seeing. I'm back again. Okay. All right, so um, I want to talk about a little bit, a little bit about housing and um, your involvement with the housing projects that you're working on. Okay. So, what, what, what made you decide about housing in particular? Well, um, well, working for Housing Works. I mean, one of one of the the I guess the fundamental. Uh, uh, Factors to survival, uh, to 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 care, and prevention. I mean, scientifically, is housing, and working for Housing Works has has given me the opportunity to collaborate with organizations such as the National AIDS Housing Coalition, uh, New York New York AIDS Housing Network, and others throughout the country about just the 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 facts that that exist. Uh, that show housing and self-care. You know, people who are stably housed, who have stable living conditions, are are much less likely to be uh, HIV infected. It, you know, people who are HIV positive or who have other uh, health conditions are far less likely to suffer the the, the brunt of what with uh, of health disparities than than if not. Um, and, and of course, we know, you know, a person who is stably housed, you know, what that the, the the effects it has on education, on keeping a job, and so forth and so on. So those are things that that kind of make sense. And I've I've, I've been had the uh, you know the, the the good fortune of working with to be able to to connect with not just the the incredible activists and and, and researchers that work. In, in house, but that that we collaborate with, and you know, and during the five years that, that I was kind of off the grid, so to speak, and even a few years after that, you know, I I, I at you know at sporadic points through over about five or six years was you know on my own, uh, basically in the street, uh, going from sofa to sofa, um, you know, I I again not not really seeing myself living beyond the you know the the years five to ten years that I was since I was diagnosed didn't really think about you know why go get doctor's appointments why why you know seek substance abuse counseling or or mental health counseling if if I'm you know I'm just trying to find a place to put my head and uh, and the statistics today show the correlation between lecture rates and so forth and so on uh, to you know to stable housing. So, I mean, it's it's a no-brainer to some, um, but but it's it's unfortunate that we're still having to push the advocacy out there as you know the you know housing, uh, uh, food, shelter, uh, uh, stability in one's in one's core being is is you know a part. Uh, just part, but a major part of, of a person's complete uh, road to positive health outcome. Great. And and what do you say to um, your detractors, those people who think that um, that housing isn't as important as, say, you know, getting medicines into somebody's hand? What what do you say to that? Well, I, first I would say it's 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 incorrect to to put one against the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a person 
who was just housed without medication, without the ability to, to have quality care, uh, access to care, is, is not going to, you know, is not any better off reaching those health outcomes just as just providing somebody with meds and then, you know, letting them go and expecting them to show up 30 days later for their appointment if they have to go out to a field if you're in North Mississippi but there isn't an urban setting and, and find, you know, a bridge or, uh, uh, you know, an abandoned shelter somewhere in the middle of nowhere to, to, to you know, keep rain and snow off your head. So I, it's a combination of all the above. Um, but but how they, I mean, the, the statistics are all the way around. Just just as we can attribute the the decrease of of, of the viral load in system when given uh, 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 antiretrovirals, uh, the statistics show as well that a person who is stably housed, and I'm not talking about a, you know, a, a condo on the waterfront, I'm talking about a safe place to live. A, a woman who yeah, is, is, you know, with two kids who is going street to street and has to trade sex for shelter, sex for meals, you know, providing safe shelters for people who are in dire or very unstable settings or health conditions, you know, improves those outcomes, those positive health outcomes, not just limited to HIV infections or advanced HIV disease, but but improving all quality of health. I mean, you have to, it's called a comprehensive network of care, and if we're not paying attention to every part of that, then we're, we're allowing people to fall through the crack. Excellent. Excellent. Because, yeah, I tell you, you know, I um I'm with I'm with you on this one Larry. Uh I sit on the board of a of an organization here in in North Carolina and um one of our major cornerstone pieces of of care that we provide is is a housing um initiative. So uh we go out, we get people, you know, we get rental vouchers to pay for people, you know. Of course there's there's there there are guidelines for them to in order to keep keep getting the vouchers but um for the most part we see that these folks are are less likely to pass on the virus they're less likely to miss appointments they're you know in it, i i'm with you it, it's it, it it's so important to have that that safetyness of the the safety of being able to go home I mean, and, and here, have that home exactly i mean here in dc for example i mean for the last five, six years, we have been we have put much money, much energy uh, into testing. I mean, we have the highest uh, infection rates per capita in the country, highest in the Western Hemisphere. We have, you know, among the highest uh, 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 rates of death uh, attributed to HIV and AIDS uh, disease in the country, um, and we also. In, in BC, have an incredibly long uh, AIDS housing waiting list uh, at a thousand people and, and counting, um, and just testing, just testing, just finding out people's status alone does not contribute to lowering new infection rate. You know, we've done a lot of things as far as finding out people's status, but on the back end, where we're cutting. Uh, care and services when we're 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 shortening or eliminating uh, uh, care and su support services for women uh, who have been uh, victims of domestic violence, uh, others who have been uh, either criminalized or or uh, uh, victims of sexual violence. You know, all across the board, we're not we're we're dropping the ball numerous times. And and what our DC government hasn't figured out is how do we contribute to a, a comprehensive plan that, that builds on what the national aid strategy is starting so that we can, you know, reach those overall goals of, you know, again, not just uh, reducing uh, new HIV infections, but where we're, we're increasing the ability for individuals, no matter who they are or where they are, to reach overall better health outcomes. And... You know, there's so many different social factors to talk about, including homelessness and homophobia, sexism, so forth and so on, and we're not doing enough to address 
specific thing. And if we found the virus tomorrow, eliminated HIV from our radar uh, by New Year's, you know, we're still waiting for the next epidemic if we don't, uh, you know, pay attention to those other social factors, you know, including housing, uh, racism, homophobia, those other things that we just kind of allow to exist and, 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 you know, attribute the victims of each to kind of acceptable losses in our community. You know, Larry, one of the things I, I love about what you do is that you fight for stigma, you know, you fight for people with HIV and AIDS, but you also fight to stop homophobia. And for a, sh- a straight man to take that on, I think it's very commendable because a lot of people are so insecure with themselves that they're not even able to admit that homophobia is out there. So for me, I think it's, you know, big kudos to you for for going out there and including that and in, in when you talk and when you speak about things and how important it is to also diminish that. Um, what is it that you think... Well, how is it that the campaign to end AIDS came about? Because I know you have a summit, uh, an event coming up in April, so I kind of want to talk about that, but I wanted to talk a little bit about how the campaign to end AIDS came about and and where it is now. Well, campaign to end AIDS, um, uh, the organizers, the principal organizers, uh, started having discussions uh, in, in 2004, mostly around uh, the presidential election, between well, the second term of Bush and, and Gore, and, and one of the I mean I'm sorry Kerry, and, and one of the goals was to pretty much get uh, the the issues of HIV and AIDS uh, and, and the contributing factors on each camp um, agenda items, get them get them on their platform, and and. Uh, you know, that's where AIDS focus was created um, to help uh, improve voters' education, voter education around HIV issues, and also to help candidates learn more about the issues in the community as it relates to to ending the epidemic. Um, the the vice presidential debate, I think, kind of illustrates the the, the real kickstarting of, of you know how C two A you know began uh, its its kind of opening to the rest of the country, and in, in that uh, when asked uh, both candidates for vice president then Dick Cheney and um, John Edwards, like when I for a black an African American woman, uh, uh, you know who was moderating it moderating about the increasing uh, infection levels, HIV infection levels among not just black women, but women of color. Uh, neither candidate had an answer. I mean, they were completely speechless. There was there was a one time, I believe, in, in the entire uh, debate that they actually looked at each other. And, and this was, you know, with the hot topic of, of Lynn Cheney and, and Don't Ask to Tell and, and, and uh, marriage rights and so forth and so on. It was a very contentious debate, and this is like the one time they were both just completely speechless. So I think a lot of people from the grassroots were uh, were one disappointed that that efforts didn't reach uh, the highest levels of of government, and certainly on their platforms. So, and and I think for me as a positive person, as a black man, as a heterosexual black man, you know, I'm one of those individuals that felt like. Um, you know, the voice of people who are affected, the voice of people who are HIV positive, aren't aren't are, are being filtered so much, if listened to, that the, the true meaning of of what it means to be living and dying with HIV and AIDS wasn't getting to the people who were implementing those policies. So, campaign to end AIDS kind of kicked off in two thousand two thousand and five with some cross country caravans that that ended up in D.C. gathering individuals who are living with HIV in every state in the country. Uh, we, we came to D.C. in, in November uh, of that year, and and we let the country, we let our representatives know that, you know, there are positive people in every state of the country who need to be heard and, and are, are working to influence policy and, and our elected officials 
uh, including our, our quote-unquote leaders in the community, about about the grassroots advocacy that needs to happen around changing these policies. Uh, what we've been working on, how we've been working to, to end this epidemic to this point, I mean, we've had successes here and there, and, and even recently with the creation of the national strategy, the appointments of, of the ONAP staff, uh, the, the new appointments of the President's Advisory Council on AIDS, I mean, we see very, very small steps in, in getting to a point where we can start closing the gap between uh, the people who are most affected and, and, and marginalized to the planning table now we have to turn that energy into into action and to make those policies real and so that we start seeing measurable uh, uh, effects of implementing those policies down the road. Great. So there's a little lot of, a lot of stuff going on there. Um, I just wanted to remind our listeners that we are at the bottom of the hour. It is 9.31. We have about 29 minutes uh, 29 minutes remaining of the show. If you'd like to give us a call um, and talk to Larry, and if you have a question for him, give us a call at 347-215-9442. Or if you have Skype, quickly, click, uh, quickly, simply click on the <laughs> Skype button at the top of the at, top, at the top of the page, and uh, we'll get you in to, to ask a couple of questions. Um, so. We wanted to mention that you are getting ready to do a uh, an event with the Campaign to End AIDS. And uh, just to give that website, um, it's www.c2ea.org uh, for the Campaign to End AIDS. Um, and, Caller, we, we see you on the, on the switch line, but I um, just want to get a quick question out, if you don't mind. And um, we – so uh, – Larry, tell us about the event that you're going to be hosting or that you're going to be a part of for the campaign to NIH. Yes, I am a part of it, but Kansas City is hosting uh, the the C2A annual HIV and AIDS Advocacy Summit. It's April 17th through 20th. Uh, Roberto Archuleta and the C2A group in Kansas City is, is, is at the center of the organizing for this three-day or three-and-a-half-day uh, uh, advocacy uh, summit. Um, it's 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 kind of a, uh, a, a uh, an opportunity to to bring grassroots act- activists, advocates, uh, people living with HIV, uh, providers, supporters, allies from around the country uh, to the Midwest to discuss and, and implement the, uh, a strategy that helps to. Strengthen some of the policies that that have been uh, 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 developed in the campaigns and aids to this point. Um, last year we had, or this, this past April, there was the fifth anniversary of of uh, the C2A uh, uh, grassroots group in existence, and we wanted to make sure it was a lot of energy from people that came. A long, long way to D.C., one thing we wanted to do was make sure that we provide those opportunities and, and kind of move this thing around for people in different areas of the country that don't always get the attention of the big name or the the the, the, the money conferences, so to speak. Um, uh, so, uh, I mean, some of the things that we, you know, the, the five principles of C2A are always, uh, you know, fully funding quality treatment services for our people living with HIV everywhere, ramping up HIV prevention at home and abroad, increasing uh, research to find a cure, fighting AIDS stigma and protect civil rights of people living with HIV, HIV and AIDS everywhere, and then, of course, understanding the role of safe and stable housing uh, and the role that it plays in, in uh, prevention and healthcare. So a lot of the strategies we talk about uh, fall under those categories, and what we do is develop action action plans both on the state level, uh, the local level, and the federal level that we then either use in Kansas City or in Birmingham, Alabama, or in Oakland, California, or wherever you live, uh, that, that people living with HIV, those, those advocates and activists can actually put those uh, organizing skills to work. Excellent. You know, that's like, 
that's one of my favorite things when I go to these um, to the summits. I, you know, I've never been to a real big one, like you know the international ones, but going to the one in D.C. and it seems like the one that the campaign end age is having in April is kind of the same to go and meet you know the people at grassroots, and that's my favorite part of it all, just meeting the everyday person who is lending their voice or coming out to help in any way that they can. And I think that's the best part of going to a type of uh, event like this. So you can check that out on the website. It's also on Facebook. You'll see it on my page so I can share with people, too. I do want to go ahead and bring this caller on. So caller area code 775, what's your name and where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Kelly. I'm calling from Reno, Nevada. And I have attended a CQEA here in Reno that we just had in October. And I am an advocate for HIV and people living with HIV and AIDS. Our problem here in Reno, though, is not only the women having a housing problem, but it's the men having a housing problem, too. A lot of our men <coughs> are having housing problems. Myself, I am a negative uh, female, but I do know uh, males who are having housing problems. We do not have a office here. I'm trying to get one set up, but I'm not having any luck. Larry, I need to find out from you what I can do to get this going and everything. So what, what you, you would like to kind of get a group together that helps to uh, find those solutions for not just for housing, but it sounds like access to care and services as well. Yes. See, my spouse is positive. He's been positive for 20 years, and I married him knowing that he was positive, and people always freak out because I married a man who was HIV positive all I married him not because of his status. I married him because I love him. And people don't, people freak out. Why'd you do that? Why'd you do it? It's because I love the man. He's, his status has nothing to do with why I married him. I would have married him no matter what. It's just something we live with, you know. And people freak out. It's, it's hard to tell people that my husband is because they, like, back off and, like, oh, my God, you know. It's like, okay, you guys don't understand it. There's a lot of stigmatism here in Reno still. So I want to get that office going and everything. And as I was listening to Larry talk about housing for women, here in Reno we have that same problem with our females and our males having housing issues. Well, I know one of the things we can do is, and I know you're a part of the women's group that met at the summit in Reno, is that we can actually get together with with both the women's group and the other C2A work groups and actually develop some kind of strategy. I mean, break it down to see, like, you know, who are the decision makers, what is the barrier in, in being able to access those services that, that people are most need. I, I know a couple of them off the top of my head as far as housing access, uh, comprehensive uh, sex and sexuality education, not just in Reno but in the state of Nevada, and, and other things that we can address and, and we can develop uh, a plan of action that, that kind of builds off the things that you guys talked about in, in Reno. And you know that there's other women on the group, on that particular group, that would be uh, definitely down to, you know, support whatever strategies that, that, that can seem feasible and, and certainly in any way I can support. And, and other guys, there's a lot of guys that are in the group, whether it's Roberto, Greg Fordham in Virginia and other places that, that we can, you know, make sure that it's not, it's a much more collaborative fight, and I think that's the one thing that we sometimes forget. We we get caught in our in individual or individual community battles and, and identi identifying uh, ourselves that we kind of forget that our voice is connected, our voice is collaborative, uh, are much stronger than as an individual. And uh, uh, anyway, I can support that. Okay. How can she? How can she contact you, Larry? Should she do it through your blog or through Housing Works or? Uh, well, there, there's. I believe you have my email address, but if if uh, you can call me at the uh, toll free number, uh, it's one eight seven seven N AIDS. Uh, that's N AIDS E N D A I D S uh, or yeah, three six. We're connected on Facebook, Larry. Well, there you go. We're connected on Facebook, so I'll, I'll email you on Facebook. See, I, I need to start with the, the 2010 or 2010 uh, connecting devices before I go back to the toll-free numbers, I guess. 
And we do have some other people. If you're on hold and you'd like to connect and talk to either um, me, Larry, or Jeremy, you have to press the one. If not, you're just sitting on listening, and we'll allow you to do that. Um, anyone else like to give us a call here? You can reach us at 347-215-9442. Now, Larry, you blog for um, Paws.com. Can you tell us a little bit about what you blog about over there and, and, and what has that outlet or that, um, I guess, uh, venue done for you to reach out? Um, I guess I am a blogger at Pause, and, and um, it's been an honor, first of all, to have been asked. And I should take this time to tell Regan and Oriel that I apologize for not blogging as often as I should. Um, but but it's, it's been an opportunity, I guess, or I see it as an opportunity to really kind of write about some of the things that I see in or that I experience in my organizing work, whether it's something personal or something through my organizing with housing work or so the campaign to end AIDS. Um, and I, I try, and, I, and that's probably a billion things that rattle in my head much more often than the things I actually put down. But there's been a lot of different things that I've seen uh, uh, that are, I think, specific to me or maybe from my perspective um i i i um uh i want to be able to express things that aren't too redundant um and, and be able to write things and, and to start conversations or at least bring viewpoints that aren't kind of cookie cutter you know everybody has their world day to day blog i don't necessarily you know i don't, I don't want to blend it in that way although you know i have my you know, my my biggest thing around World AIDS Day is why do we celebrate World AIDS Day? You know, as a day we should be trying to put off the calendar. Uh, so things like that. But but I do thank Paz for for giving me the space and certainly being patient with me <laughs> as I as I uh, try to keep up with the other great bloggers on the site. That's excellent. I I was going to say, I noticed uh, that your, your your most recent post that you did was actually a letter you wrote to Obama, um, you know, encourage him to, to get more in the game. Can you talk a little bit about that one? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm I'm a I'm a part or connected to uh, many many listeners, and one of them is is the the Obama uh, organizers. Uh, across the country, and so especially you know in the weeks uh, leading up to election day, I was quote unquote letters and emails from from either the president or from someone high up or Joseph Biden. It, it just I felt kind of weird that they had so much time to actually send me Larry an email on what I should do and where I should donate and so forth and so on. Um, so. I just felt, and, and all this, uh, and all the deliberating around different platform items that they were going back and forth against with Tea Party uh, representatives, the Republicans, and so forth and so on, and and all the while, you know, the ADAP uh, numbers, uh, people waiting on AIDS drug, drug assistance uh, lists across the country are going up. Access to care hasn't been answered. Um, I personally, you know, feel that uh, the national aid strategy that was released in July was was more of a, uh, uh, I mean, it wasn't anything that we haven't seen before, and it didn't give us any answers that were either innovative or, as they quoted, ambitious. So there were certain things that I felt like the president and his, his administration needed to do if he wanted to reach uh, the, the level of ambition that, that the national strategy and other uh, policies that, that actually got him elected in, you know, in 2008. Um, and I'm sure, you know, no matter what your politics are, no matter what, what your, your, your uh, you know, whether it's health care, jobs, actually, I mean, there's, it's all across the board, um, you know, where, uh, what, what our opinions are as far as what he could do better, 
what what he can do more of, what his administration could be more, uh, 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 you know, present on. Um, I wanted to pick HIV and and not just HIV specifically, but I actually you know talked about the HIV assistance program in that letter. Um, but but it's 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 a lot of the issues that affect poor and marginalized individuals. Again, uh, many of these things that he was very very adamant and and, and vocal on that got him elected, and we want to see that in our president. And, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I, I voted for Obama uh, in, in 08, um and. It's in our all of our. I mean, regardless of your your political views, it's, it's in all of our best interests that our president our president is successful in 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 the policies that that are designed to make this country stronger. Our president, oh, yeah. along with Congress, have to work together to get these things done, and so you kind of hope that happens. Oh, I totally, totally agree. I do have another caller I'm going to bring on the air. Um, caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? It's, it's been an opportunity, I guess, or I see that as an opportunity. Hello? All right. It looks like hello? that caller didn't have the hello? speakers down. Hello? Somebody's saying hello. Hi. Hi, uh, Larry. This is Diane from? from Colorado. Hi, Diane from Colorado. How are you? Um, well, it's nice that people I know are all calling in. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow she, she there, Diane. Did we lose Diane? I'm sorry. No, she's there. Oh, there she, she is. Go ahead. Um, I just want to put in some good um, words for Larry because um, a good friend of mine, Lisa Atkinson, once told me about Larry back in the day, and she's like, you know, Larry's a great guy and he's a great advocate, and um, you need to get into C2EA. So I've been in that ever like for four or five years now, and so. Um, He's actually came down to Denver, and unfortunately I felt awful that I invited him down to Denver, and there was a family situation that I had to attend to that I wasn't able to meet up with Larry. So I'm really keeping my fingers crossed that we can um, get to uh, Kansas City in April. So I'm definitely looking forward to that trip and just trying whatever I can to get down there to meet him. So I'm really excited about that and really, um, really excited about getting my own support group and that together out here in Denver is what we're trying to do now. So I do have a lot of goals, and I have a billion things to do for after January 1st. So, Because, um, I mean, the situation with HIV here in Colorado is that people do get the support, but as far as, like, women and that, we really need a lot more uh, people to get people to support women out here. I mean, they have it for men, they have it for gay, but as far as, like, straight women, there is not enough support groups in the Denver metro area. So that's why um, I'm in the process right now of trying to get my own group started. So hopefully we'll be on that uh, after January 1st gets around. We'll get all that going and uh, get the word out and go from there. So we're working hard, though. But Larry's a great guy, and um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to meeting him in, uh, in Kansas City in April. Well, there you go. Well, thanks for calling in, Diane. Not a problem. Thank you. You have a great night. You too now. Thanks. Excellent. That's awesome. So, um, somehow in that mix we uh, lost uh, we lost Larry. <laughs> I think his phone either died or something happened where he got disconnected, so he'll be calling back in. And, folks, you can remember you can find more information on HousingWorks at housingworks.org and more information on the campaign to end AIDS at C, the number 2, EA.org. And find all that information on the summit they have coming up uh, April 17, 2011. Definitely want to check out the Advocacy Summit. Um, it's going to be very powerful, and I hope that I'll be able to go and, and check that out. And, Larry, this is Jeremy. Um, we've got, I, I've got a comment that I'm supposed to um, relay over to you. It's from Mark King, Mark S. King, in the um, out there in, in – in, in chat world, and he says, let Larry know how blogging reaches people who need to hear the message. So two months since last Larry's blog from Paws.com is too damn long. We need his voice more often. So so that's 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 Mark, our friend Mark King. So um, yeah. so Larry, you have hence been chastised <laughs> by Mark S. King. 
Mark Now, you know, Mark, Mark blogs like crazy. Um, and he actually, hit by him doing that, because he's always having a new blog posted, you know, on uh, his, his wonderful blog called My Fabulous Disease. Um, and it inspires me to want to blog more, because I feel like i got to play catch-up with him. Um, because he's so involved and has all these great, funny, amazing videos. I mean, Mark has been on the show twice. If they, everybody knows, go to MyFabulousDisease.com and you'll, you'll see all the great, funny, hilarious. His, his Christmas one just came up. I'm not sure what happened to Larry. Somehow we lost Larry. So <laughs> I think his phone died. <laughs> no. Mean. So either he's going to be calling back or he's not going to be calling back. But <laughs> Again, you can uh, Google Larry, um, and you can find um, his Facebook page. You can search him on Facebook. I don't think that he is on Twitter, um, but I do know he's a member of Paws I Am. You can find him also on the Paws I Am network and all that other stuff. So uh, Larry's out there. He has a blog on Paws. You can check out under the blog section, and uh, he does wonderful work. And, you know, I, I got to see him in person, and I got to see like people like Christine Campbell and Brandon Moxada. And it's the people that are involved in, like, the politic part of HIV, and it's very inspiring, Jeremy. I'm not really into politics, but seeing these people go out there and go, you know, up to, to the White House and, and march and hold their signs, and it's just very powerful. And I think, it's, I think it's great what they do. Have you been involved like that? Oh, yes. Let me see. I think this may be a caller or maybe Larry. Let's see. Hello, is this Larry? Yes, can you hear me? Yay, yes, I hear you. Did, back, you, did your phone die? Yes, it died. You know, it was beeping, and I wasn't paying attention to it. That's my knuckleheadedness. <laughs> well, that's funny. No, I was just talking about how inspiring it is when I, you know, see you and Christine and, and um, Brandon Moxada go up, you know, on the hill and, and do your thing, and you're out there with your signs, and it's just very, very inspiring for somebody like myself who hates politics hates the whole politic part, and I just think seeing you out there doing that, it, it kind of rubs off and it makes me want to get more involved like that. So, you know, what you're doing is, is really moving other people to get more involved in, and to act up like you are. Well, no thanks, but, yeah, thanks. But I think it's it's just as important to get involved or, or to be active uh, in, in, the politically, in the political environment as much as it is to be active in our own communities. I think a lot of us wait for these dire uh, situations or wait for uh, the rally, so to speak, to show up when every day is about, you know, survival for some for some one of us. And whether it's about talking to other people, uh, about being involved in peer groups, talking to other people about understanding why, um, their meds are being uh, reduced or eliminated. Talking to people about, you know, support services. Talking to people about uh, being uh, discriminated or, or 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 being the the, the target of stigma. I mean, I, I think it's just as powerful, if not more so, on our community levels and, and in talking to each other. Mm. I agree. I agree. I, I think. By keeping everybody talking about it in their in in their own communities, it's the only way it's going to happen. The only way that we're actually going to make any kind of a difference. Right. And you know, and, and, and ideally, having that talk move towards action. I mean, we can't just get comfortable talking to each other. That's a step in the process, but we have to make sure that we have goals in in that communication. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Totally, totally. I'm with you on this one. We have five minutes left of the show. And uh, we lost you. We lost Larry for a couple minutes. But I just want to personally um, thank Larry for taking the time out and, and talking with us for the last uh, about half, about hour or so. And Larry, I, I, you have a strong, strong voice and one that needs to continue to ring out loud and clear. Keep up the amazing work that you're doing, and keep up the amazing blogs. And um, because that the blogs really do reach out across across the you know the whole universe of of all kinds of folks. So um, 
you have you have a powerful voice there, and and I'm glad to have you on my team. Well, again, Hi. thanks both of you. Yeah, thanks both of you for for inviting me and giving me this time. Um, I, I I will say that I'm I'm but one voice. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of us, including you guys, who are being heard and are are. Uh, have the ability to to make a difference with with which not just what you say but what you do, and and I and I feel uh, humbled by you know some of the people I have learned from and some of the people I uh, advocate with or I see as allies, and, and I know at times we all don't necessarily meet in the middle or we don't all uh, uh, kind of have the same priorities. But I believe, no matter where your beliefs are, where your priorities lay, that um, the goal is to end the epidemic, and it's to end the epidemic uh, for all of us. And 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 I mean, until that happens, I think we have to learn how to make this work as an entire community, and not just uh, you know build those uh, walls and 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 fight against one another. Absolutely, great. Conversations need to continue, absolutely. Larry, thank you so much for joining us, and you have a great night. Thanks. Actually, one more thing for for those who are just coming on, the C2A Annual Advocacy uh, Summit in April in Kansas City between the 17th and the 20th of April, and actually tomorrow evening here in D.C. um, after – the HIV Prevention Leadership Summit is a C2EALGBTQI uh, fight AIDS discussion, uh, kind of bringing, uh, helping to to re-engage kind of the broader, larger LGBTQI community into the discussion about HIV and AIDS uh, 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 policy and, and advocacy. There you have it. And you can find more information on that at c2ea.org. Thanks again, Larry. Have a great night, man. Thank you. Y'all have a good night, too. Thanks. And, everyone, you can find more information, again, um, about the campaign to end AIDS at c2ea.org and housingworks at housingworks.org. Jeremy, what an inspiring man, let me tell you. I know. I want to go blog now. I'll <laughs> give you something to blog about, right? Exactly. <laughs> so one thing I did want to um, uh, bring up before we go, we have a couple minutes left. I wanted to let you people know that we will continue to be here throughout the holidays and the new year. Um, so join join us every Sunday if you're sitting at home and just want to, you know, get some hope or you just want to tune in and see what's going on. On the 19th of December, next Sunday, we're going to have a woman by the name of Jennifer Price. And she's going to come on and share her story of being an HIV-positive mother and, and what it is like for her and, you know, what her everyday life is like having kids and being and married and things of that nature. So she just became an administrator um, on the Positive Network, and she also writes a blog for Who's Positive. So that's something that you all want to check into. On the 26th, we're going to have a wonderful, beautiful lady by the name of Angelica, and you may have seen her on MTV's Me, Myself, and HIV that, that um, aired on World AIDS Day. Uh, she's going to come on and, and talk about that. And she's it was a really cool chick. Huge tattoo. She got a huge tattoo on her back um, on the episode. You may be able to check it on your on-demand or um, maybe on your direct TV. It's called Me, Myself, and HIV. Great story about her and another gentleman who lives in Africa, and their stories are kind of, you know, parallel together in the – in the episode. And then on the 2nd of January, we will welcome uh, Brandy Michael, who is going to come on and talk about what it is like to be an HIV-positive woman who has dealt with um, meth and, and how she overcame it. So she's going to tell her courageous story on the 2nd of January. So I'm really excited. we got a lot of good shows lined up, Jeremy, and um, good things, you know? Yeah, I'm excited. Lots of good excited stuff. excited for the holidays? What's that? Are you excited for the holidays? I am. I just want them over. Yeah, right? I totally, totally hear you. <laughs> oh, God. You know, it's just... I'm over fighting. <laughs> you know, I'm done. I'm done now. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> like, all right. I'm ready oh, to go to bed funny. now. Yeah, all that stuff. All right. 
So we again, we Jeremy and I would like to thank you all for tuning in and getting your hour dose of hope this evening with us. Uh, returned every Sunday, we are here at 9 p.m. You can join us here on Pause I Am Radio. You can find more information on Jeremy Dunn at PositivelySpeaking.com and more information on me and the radio show at www.pauseim.com. Folks, have a great night. Jeremy, it was magic. It was magic. <laughs> we always bring our fairy magic. What are you talking about? Yes, our fairy Perfect. magic fest. <laughs> good night, Thanks, everyone. Love have you. a good night. Mwah.